0: What's happening, everybody? You're listening to another episode of the Super Mercado Brothers Video Game Music Podcast. Thank you so much for joining us. This is the podcast where we share and discuss the very best in video game music. My name is Carl Brueggemann. And I'm his brother, Will Brueggemann. Last week, we had the opportunity to listen to the score to Secret of Monkey Island and kind of dissect it from start to finish, Mm -hmm. and today, we have the privilege of exploring the music to its sequel, Monkey Island 2, LeChuck's Revenge. I'm so excited for today's episode. Oh, gosh, I cannot wait. I was looking forward to this uh, all yesterday, all this morning.
1: This is, you know, now that that we've prepared this playlist and I have this music in front of me, there's no question that I love this score more than the first one. This is my favorite Monkey Island score. I, I think I have to say that. Yeah. I just, I have such an emotional connection to this music. It's going to be hard
0: for me to be unbiased, I will say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, this one is pretty tough to beat. And uh, just a little, not a word of warning, but kind of like... Uh, disclaimer i guess uh, as if you can't tell from the track we're playing in with this is from Mm -hmm. the monkey island 2 special edition version of the soundtrack and that's actually the principal version that we're going to be featuring today i really think those composers and arrangers did a wonderful job of kind of revitalizing michael land clint pajakian and peter mcconnell's incredible score here yeah particularly their work on
1: the 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 special edition of 2 is outstanding. And I really think for a lot of these pieces, uh, the special edition versions are my definitive versions now. I, I have to admit, they did such a wonderful job. Part of it is that they outsourced it to more people. And so I want to talk a little bit about that and about what they did, uh, especially on Monkey Island 2 special edition at the beginning here. So so uh, LucasArts employee, musician, composer by the name of Jesse Harlan was the one responsible for for uh the special edition of the first game, he basically did everything himself and it was it was good, um, but it, it definitely wasn't at the level of the second game and part of the thing that happened, and he was apparently really swamped at the time no pun intended, (laughs) Uh, that this game was going to be worked on. So he actually outsourced it to a lot of other people. So Will Roget, who was another LucasArts uh, composer, he worked on some of the arrangements. And then they also got Dan Reynolds, Jeff Ball, and Andrew Aversa, also known as Zircon. They got all of those people to work on arrangements as well. People that have really made a name for themselves is uh, doing remixes and arranging. So all of those people were responsible for arranging the soundtrack. And another thing that they had to do with a special edition for this game is they basically had to recreate iMuse uh, with actual recordings. So they had to go out, they had to find a way to to recreate the way that that music was layered and transitioned with these real recordings. So I,
0: I think that's uh, just incredibly impressive. Well, and yeah, we've talked about iMuse a lot before because when we interviewed Peter McConnell, he was actually one of the individuals responsible for creating that technology. Mm-hmm. But if you didn't grow up playing these LucasArts adventure games, iMuse is essentially a a technology that allows a continuous piece of music to change depending on the environment So let's say you walk into a shop the same grid the same chords the same DNA of the song stays But the instrumentation will change But it doesn't change in the way that maybe a lot of modern video games do where they sort of gradually crossfade between two versions Yeah, this is based on the beats. Yeah, it waits for a musically approached Appropriate moment to switch instrumentation but what that
1: means is that they had to make multiple different transition uh materials so like they had to compose one that started on beat one one that started on beat four because depending on uh where it was in the measure that sometimes the transitions handle differently so very impressive and it's so amazing, i was reading though. something online i will say the peak of how they used imuse as far as making it really immersive in giving the player control. The peak of it was definitely in this game, specifically on Woodtick, that we've never really heard iMuse being used that sophisticated in any other game. And one thing that I I was reading online is that I think the composers got a little bit... Disappointed because it seems like not a lot of people appreciated that at the time. Apparently, they spent a long time to get that to happen. And I was reading another uh, comment where apparently there were two full time employees that were just their job was just to get the the wood tick music to work with all the layering and everything. And so, and so they put a lot of work into it. And I think, according to them, it might not have been worth it as far as how many people noticed it. So that's why when you see later Mm -hmm. iMuse games, the way that they
0: layer it is a lot more simple. Sure. Well, that's interesting to hear because that was always one of my favorite parts of the music growing up. Me too. It was so immersive and it, it felt like you were playing a film because not only did the music switch to fit the environment, I mean, most video games do that, especially mm-hmm. nowadays, they kind of have seamless transitions, but it's so much right. easier with atmospheric textured music. I mean, this is melodic stuff Absolutely. that it's catchy and it's and it sticks of- in your ear. It's this melodic stuff that's made up these small little kernels that are sieged into each other in the most brilliant right. way. So the thing that I think is so cool about that is here all these years later, they have to look at what now is, probably seems like an ancient technology, figure out how it worked and recreate it. Because this is a challenge that, you know, most modern video games wouldn't even have to necessarily deal with. So that's yeah. just a testament. I mean, in 1991,
1: it was yeah. already more advanced than most games nowadays, as far as how, how that worked. So, what you guys heard playing in was deep in the Caribbean which was the intro theme to Monkey Island 2 which uses the main theme of the series. Now we're going to move on to Scab Island Beach and this is kind of the prologue theme when Guybrush is retelling the kind of in some ways exaggerated tales of his um his battle with LeChuck. And we're going to keep the special edition version going. This one has some very charming whistling performance. Let's take a listen to Scab Island Beach composed by Michael Land. guys are listening to scab island beach the special edition version which eventually gets into some nice you know counterpoint and in some ways kind of improvisations here with the trumpet but it starts off with whistling which is what the original was was trying to convey was just uh, somebody whistling around the campfire Uh, it's a really hilarious opening to the game you know every single part of this game is bigger and better it's way longer it's a much more massive game the puzzles are a lot more challenging and in some ways creative the soundtrack is uh, just a lot more diverse and depending on where you totally. are in the game yeah they just if you were a fan of the first game this this has just got to be the most exciting thing in the world to, to boot this game up for the first time I know when I uh, you know I think we played Secret of Monkey Island and, and watched Marty beat it and starting this game everything about it you just felt more like you were on the island it's just so much
0: more of a immersive experience playing this game totally I, I love this piece of music in terms of how it, it sets the tone mm-hmm. for Monkey Island Two. We this is we're introduced to Guybrush Threewood, the main character, and he has on a beard. Island, huh? <laughs> yeah, and he looks different. And already the game starts off with amazing humor and kind of uh, he's he's trying to sort of sell up his adventures in the previous game. But what I love about the tone of this musically is it still captures, I guess, some of the swashbuckling seafaring folksy element, but it's so much more pleasant and it definitely right. has this like around the campfire sound and it's not just because of the whistling but i think the melody is so unthreatening i love the choice in the arrangement here of the clarinet for the b section yeah you know dun, dun. something that i hear in in some of the score is there's a little
1: bit more americana vibes to it and i sure. think that was very intentional um I think Guybrus is trying to come across as this really sophisticated seasoned pirate here and it's funny how it's just really falling flat like no one really buys it. Right. But it's just a great start to the game. So so we'll talk a little bit about this. We were, we had the privilege to interview Peter McConnell years back and talked quite a bit about his time working on this game. So if anyone's interested in this game, you should go back to our LucasArts episode. Um, and there's a lot of great information about this game. One of the things that that Peter unveiled really to, I think, the world at the time, I don't think anyone knew that uh, before our interview, was that the first three islands that you explore in this game, Scab Island, Booty Island, and Fat Island, those were divided evenly between the three composers. So Michael scored all the Scab Island music. Peter scored all the Booty Island music and Clint Bajakian scored all the Fat Island music. And I think there there might have been a couple of examples where they maybe collaborated within that. But it's really nice to know that crediting, and it makes a lot of sense when you think about their styles. It really does.
0: Yeah. I, I because I mean I think we often associate Peter McConnell with jazz and what's so great about the Booty Island stuff is it's kind of this Mardi Gras New Orleans mm-hmm. sound. Clint Bajakian yeah. I think of is a very Cinematic composer and Fat a lot of Island. Mysterious, sounds, yeah, there's a music. lot of like mm-hmm. John Williams-esque stuff, but it's so perfect to have Michael Land score the first island that we encounter yeah. in the game because it has this linkage to the musical sound of the Secret of Monkey Island.
1: Let's take a listen to the Scab Island map theme. This is the theme that plays when you see uh, all the different places on Scab Island that you can that you can go to. And we're gonna for one of the rare cases today, we're gonna go to the Sound Blaster version. I think we're gonna do this a few times. Today. Uh, And it's going to be really interesting to hear just how far these sounds have come. So let's take a listen to the Sound Blaster version of Skeb Island map theme. listening to the Scab Island map theme and this is a really great piece of music very unsung I don't think I even gave this piece of music the time of day uh, when I was younger but one thing that's really impressive about this is you would think a map theme needs to be what maybe 30-40 seconds very simple which this appears to be on the surface But this loop is actually 1 minute 57 seconds before it loops back. And so the material is always evolving and changing and there's melodies that that are never repeated and it feels like this long form, in some ways improvisation, just on this flute instrument. It's, It's very impressive. Very subdued. I think it perfectly captures the vibe of this island. Uh, in some ways, there's a, there's a little bit of a sadness right. on this island and kind of a loneliness.
0: Uh, there's seems like it should be more bustling than it is, and part of that is due to Largo. Right. No, I think that's very true. Yeah, he has a great dramatic sense in terms of how sparse... Uh, this piece is but i love you almost hear echoes a little bit of that kind of folksy around the campfire music that we heard yeah. and we also hear a little bit of nods to some of the motifs in the wood tick town that's absolutely music.
1: true good point will yeah and it's it's just a great way to bring this whole island together well,
0: i love the tempo stuff that he does here mm-hmm. how it's kind of free and rubato yet we still get the percussion doing boom 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 yeah isn't that great there's a lot of fun uh tempo
1: stuff, since this was all based on the MIDI tempo map, so they did a lot of right. fun things with tempo. One of my favorites we're going to get to near the end of the episode, but okay, let's now move back to the special edition, uh, and we're going to go through time, uh, audio technology of a difference of how many years, was it 25 years, or I'm trying to remember how many years the, the special edition release was, but quite a bit later. This is uh, the theme of Largo LeGrand, uh, and this was composed by Michael Land. And this is such a great character theme, kind of a similar swanky, silly, demonic vibe that we get in LeChuck's theme, really. He's kind of like a smaller version of LeChuck in a lot of ways. Uh, So let's take a listen to Largo LeGrand. You guys are listening to Largo Legrand, which is such an awesome character theme. He's the villain, the first villain that you uh, come across in the game, and it immediately sets the tone for what this game is going to be. Guybrush starts off with all this money, and when you look through his inventory... It's hilarious. You know something bad's going to happen because every single item is like loads of booty and you know tons of doubloons and all this cash and coins. (laughs) And then immediately he gets robbed by Largo. (laughs) It's so funny. And Largo is this tiny, puny little guy who it seems like
0: anyone would be able to beat the crap out of him, but for some reason they don't. He's fierce and he's mean. Uh, What I love about this theme, it gives a little bit of foreshadowing to some of the kind of fun, almost New Orleans jazz sound that we get later on in the score. The other thing I love about Largo as a character is he almost feels like a timepiece from an era way later. Like He seems like a mobster out of like a movie that takes place in the 20s or something. Mm -hmm. And I think that's part of the humor of Monkey Island is the mixture of it's this, you know, set in the Caribbean, this old pirate adventure. But there are all these archetypes from more contemporary cinema and stuff that Mm -hmm. are in there. And I think Michael totally nailed the kind of vibe that the designers and the writers were going for, for the character with this theme. I think it's every bit as good as his incredible LeChuck's theme, it, and it mm-hmm. perfectly scores the differences between those characters. I love the performance here. I mean, that Barry Sachs, it's so swanky, the the tone and the mood, they just nailed perfect choice of instruments, and you get a lot of great performance in the score. A, a fairly small number of
1: instruments that they use solo-wise. You hear a lot of trombone Uh, a lot of woodwinds, some sacks, and then they supplement it with really nice quality samples. So, okay, now let's play the Woodtick theme, which really is a work of art. Uh, Probably my favorite piece of music, if if I had to pick one for the game, just because of what it represents and how it works in the game. It's massive, and it consists of like seven or eight different pieces of music, depending on where you go in Woodtick. And so, we're going to hear just a little bit of this kind of abbreviated mix of some of the themes. We'll fade down, we'll talk we'll hear some more themes come up later you start off on uh the, so woodtick is basically like i guess you would say the main village or city on this island and so you start off with some ambient music and then when you move into i think the first thing you hear is like the woodworkers theme um and you'll hear that theme and when you, when you go into like the hotel or the bar uh, different melodies come up uh and every single melody really conveys the location well but there's this overall continuity throughout the whole thing let's take a listen to woodtick listening to Wood Tick, uh, just a taste of this wonderful piece of music. And you really have to experience this in-game. It makes so much more sense. And it's just, at the time, the most immersive, the most fluid and dynamic use of music in a video game. It's absolutely incredible. Um, What you guys are probably hearing underneath, uh, you're going to hear other themes. Like Wally's theme is probably my favorite out of the Woodtick themes. It's very sweet and subtle and understated. And this version um, has a a really beautiful mandolin performance and everything really gets stripped down. I also love the theme of the laundromat and the three uh, kind of, you know, scoundrel pirates. Has a really cool swanky uh, solo trombone for that theme. But yeah, just the way that they work uh, and and, you know, kind of transition into each other it's just so great. And they did a wonderful job of this on the special edition I think They
0: put so much heart so much Care into this it's it's incredible Well and what I love about what Michael Land did with this piece of music Is how it, it is based Around the same DNA Same chord progression and general mm-hmm. Melodic contours but Notable differences in the Melodies and not in a right. way where it just feels Like improvised or something it's At the level it's of so like composed, what Koji yeah. Kondo does in like Mario 64 Where each one is a distinct melody that's that works and is it has its own character. And I think it's so impressive to me.
1: A testament to any great uh, artist in media, whether it's a a visual effects person or a sound effects person or a composer, is that you put so much care and so much work into this thing. But when it feels so natural and comfortable, it is true that people don't really notice it and don't really maybe mention it. When you're playing the game, it just feels perfect and you're having such a great time. But it's rare that you stop and say, oh, this music is just really well done. And, uh, and maybe that's kind of what, what some of these composers felt after this game is This level of effort was um, maybe not sustainable or maybe not worth it in some ways But now we can sing, at least on this podcast, we can sing the praises of uh, particularly Michael Land here His work yeah. on this Wood Tick theme And who knows uh, who, who all was involved
0: programming-wise to get this to happen it's absolutely incredible. I love the the folk sound. I mean, it really when, yeah. if you were to think of pirate music and, you know, sea shanties and that kind of DNA yep. is totally in this track and throughout the entire score. Well, I think that's got to be track of the week. What do you think, Will? I mean, it's so hard to pick, but now it's selling me that <laughs> This this part of the woodtick theme that we're hearing that's hinting at Largo Legrand's rhythm. It's amazing. Oh man. It's, oh, but it still keeps the same style. I would oh, vote this. Genius. What do you say? Yeah, I mean, this is probably the most impressive and uh, important thing that happened in the Monkey Island 2 soundtrack. Just for the history of video game music, what this did for heightening the narrative of the medium is really, I can't say enough about it. All right, folks, that was this week's Track of the Week. Let's move on to
1: the International House of Mojo, which becomes the theme of the Voodoo Lady. Such a great return of this character. You don't necessarily know what's coming. You enter the swamp, uh, you swim through it, and then you you go inside of this big head. And that's another great musical cue moment where the music uh, changes when you go inside. And eventually it becomes clear that you're about to visit the Voodoo Lady. Let's take a listen to the International House of Mojo. My love of michael land cannot be overstated what a genius this is the international house of mojo this is the true theme to the voodoo lady and, and i think in some ways this kind of was was this harkened back to in the in the third and fourth games
0: of the series yeah in um monkey three they the first time you encounter the voodoo lady that's is this right yeah this is really the perfect
1: theme for this character Oh my gosh. And like we said, uh, most of the music, if not all the music of Scab Island, was composed by Michael Land. And it's so fun that he got to revisit this character and the style. And this time he had a lot more time uh, to kind of expand and to start off in a direction that kind of throwing you for a loop. Uh, and they did a wonderful job with the special edition to get that theremin sound. It actually, the theremin sound itself is quite similar to what they were able to do on the Sound Blaster. So it's a very loving
0: remix. I love this theme. I mean, the melody is so good. The chords are so fittingly spooky. Uh, the mm-hmm. use of that particular secondary dominant. It's like the major two chord when you're in minor. It, it, there's something really spooky about that. Yeah. Uh, the instrumentation is great. Carl and I were talking when we were listening about how the B3 Hammond organ is such a nice choice because yep. it definitely keeps it within the palette or world of the game that it's sort of quasi-jazz, but right. it has this almost church organ sound. And it, it yeah, so it, great writing there. One thing that I i particularly love and a great use of the i technology they always try to time it out so that when you enter her house you your boat sort of sits there for a while before the mouth closes and lifts the boat up and that's the moment where they hearken to the the flute melody from the first game's uh voodoo lady theme and i think it's in i believe
1: this time it's it's well supposed to be a, a clarinet in the sound blaster version i remember right um that's such a great cue. Oh my God. Okay. So we got to keep the ball rolling here to get time for all the music, but oh man, especially the beginning of this game on Scab Island. Oh my gosh. We are just delighted by everything that's happening with the game and the story and the humor and the music. Incredible. Let's move on to Captain Dread. This is a wonderful theme. Now, this is a character who, out of anyone in the game, deserves a reggae track. (laughs) He is kind of this Rastafarian captain who is very chill and it almost seems like he's maybe like high or something because he's just like really positive and and just laid back right um and what's funny is at first you can't really leave the island because largo has this embargo on on the island but eventually you're able to and (laughs) this i definitely feel like this captain is is either drunk or something because he's really terrible at navigating one of the best jokes in the game is that once you finally are able to leave the island you see the red line kind of quasi indiana jones style and he gets so close to the, the destination island, and then he just keeps turning and going for this loop and takes the <laughs> weirdest route to get there. It's, it's so funny. Uh, so this is a the theme of Captain Dread, which will eventually transition into uh, the voyage theme. Let's take a listen. guys listening to captain dread the theme of this character who's a captain on scab island that you have to hire to take you to uh the next islands in the game to continue the story as you're looking for big whoop which is the treasure the main kind of plot device of this game i really particularly like that theme it's kind of like this organ solo feature of when you're actually uh Voyaging out to the other islands It's its yeah. a great melody It's really fun This is the most fun and like happy And sunshiny piece of music in the entire game And I think it perfectly fits The character of Captain Dread uh, and, yeah, I mean, what better genre of music to, to
0: go for? than Reggae is probably the happiest genre of music I could think of. Yeah, absolutely. And and so laid back and uh, chill and everything. And <laughs> yeah. it totally underscores the humor of that, the journey at sea, where you kind of see the Indiana Jones red line detailing the map as he takes all of these unorthodox the turns, detours. Yeah. And, yeah. <laughs>
1: Oh, that's so wonderful! All right, so now uh, let's imagine that we're, we first go to Fat Island, and right away, what happens on this island is you basically get arrested, and you're taken to uh, the mansion of Governor Fat. And this is the theme that plays, I think, the first time, probably before you get arrested, the first time that you see the the mansion. Uh, the, the way that they titled it on special edition is they titled this one "Look Behind You: A Three-Headed Monkey." Let's take a listen. You guys are listening to Look Behind You, a Three Headed Monkey, which is what Guybrush always tries to use to get people distracted, but it never works. This is composed by Clint Bajakian, and he offered a really uh, great contrasting style uh, for his music on Fat Island. Feels like at home in the Monkey Island series, and it really reminds me of Film Score.
0: Yeah, it's like a theme for the Nazis in Last Crusade.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, you get to hear a lot of this style of music that Clint uh, did in uh, Fate of Atlantis. He was the lead composer on Fate of Atlantis. And so if you want to hear Clint's sound and his style, these two scores are, are really great to... To, for you to hear that,
0: but yeah, this this is such a cool theme. Yeah, absolutely. And you know, he went on to do many other titles for Lucas Arts, and eventually he he did some work on the Uncharted series. So yeah, he's a very cinematic composer, and you, that's like on display right away as soon as you get to Fat Island. Um, But, you know, what I just so love about this game and what I so miss uh, with the kind of loss of these LucasArts adventure games is the humor being so fantastic. Carl, I don't know if you ever had a chance to play Ron Gilbert's, uh, like, crowdfunded game that Um, i don't think i've had a chance to play it yet but i I, want to i I was a little disappointed because i feel like he they definitely nailed the the look and aesthetic of the old point and click adventures and everything but it has this voice acting Mm. that's so terrible and so ruins a lot of the humor to me in the game and the humor Mm. was the main driving force right behind i wonder why they you can't make it text only I think there's a way to make it text only, but, but still, I don't know. There's just, it's not as, not nearly as finely tuned as, as something like this. Interesting. I mean, I think the Double Fine games are great when it comes to having that kind of sense of humor and Tim Schafer. I mean, there was a that. magic that was captured specifically on Monkey Island too, that I don't know
1: if you can ever go back to just... Oh my gosh, one of the best video games of all time. Okay, this is the theme that plays in the jail, the Fat Island Jail. When you're arrested, you have to figure out a way to escape. Uh, The title of this on the Special Edition soundtrack is The Bone Master (laughs) and Walt. Let's take a listen. (music) You guys are listening to The Bone Master and Walt. I know this as the Fat Island Jail theme. This is composed by Clint Bajakian, and they did a wonderful job of capturing the humor and the mystery. And the cinematic uh, emotions that are conveyed in this—it's such a great melody. And they actually kept all of the the slight rhythmic um, imperfections that the original has. You know, this music was performed via MIDI keyboards, and so you hear a lot of this like this rushing and this dragging in the melodies. And I love that they really—they were able to use all the original MIDI data. Uh, Of these original composers and so all of that was preserved and and, and was saved and so these new arrangers were able to use all of that and retain that uh, Which was a huge I mean if they didn't have that I don't even know if this project would have
0: been possible Right. Well in, in addition to that, it's just because it was performed. I feel like there's a lot of intentional playfulness that comes from that yep. live performance Well, they, tempo they, they
1: lean into it in this score. You know, they right. realized here that they're very ahead of the curve in so many ways, but they realized that, okay, this isn't going to be perfect. I mean, I guess they could have quantized it, but I think I remember Peter saying that he, at least him, he was never a fan of quantizing things. He kind of liked it being imperfect. So I think they lean into that
2: well, and kind of makes make it, so it much more funnier. funnier
0: too. Yeah, like something like this. I mean, I remember the original is even more extreme than this. yeah. He- it almost sounds almost a little drunk. bit drunk or something and it to me playing it growing up with the sound blaster version it was particularly funny because it, you're hearing these yeah. very digital synth sounds that we're so accustomed to hearing be digital and perfect and robotic i mean from right. playing most video games that's created in a sequencer grid where all the you know the notes are input all the notes are inputted you know at a computer it's a very different sound to hear that live performance and i think that's something that you know the original what we call the dream team ought to be oh, yeah. lauded for you know speaking of the dream team i saw such
1: a awesome picture that made really made me smile i think tim schaefer posted it at this this uh current e3 um i didn't get to see it but apparently there was some performance you see clint and peter playing together and i think some other musicians as well it must have been like a grim fandango piece of music but you see peter on violin and clint on guitar so um yeah maybe i'll try to share that photo on our discord channel but uh it's wonderful that these composers are still friends and at least for clint and peter still active in the industry uh michael i i really want more music
0: from him i wish he would make a grand return to video game music i think that would be awesome. well, you know, he did the music for a number of years ago telltale games made that monkey monkey on tales of monkey island and he actually mm-hmm. worked on that so that's kind of cool true. that i mean if they ever make another monkey island game i'm sure they would be able to get michael That would be awesome. Let's move on to Booty Island. We're going to play, I think, a couple of pieces of music
1: from Booty Island. uh, And then we'll revisit the island a little bit later. But this was Peter's uh, Island. So this is a track that was composed by Peter McConnell. It's the first establishment that at least I always enter when I come to Booty Island. This is the Booty Boutique, which is kind of this pawn shop, (laughs) really, uh, in Booty Island. And a lot of the the things that you need for the game, you, you can buy here. Uh, and even sell some things here so let's take a listen to booty boutique which is a wonderful kind of saloon ragtime piano piece of music let's check it out You guys are listening to Booty Boutique, composed by Peter McConnell for Monkey Island 2, Chuck's Revenge. This is a special edition, which does a great job of capturing this. Here, they just have solo piano. They make it sound like it's really old-fashioned. Um, but it's really, it was an interesting uh, choice, you know, musically to go for this. And I, especially back in the days of the Sound Blaster, it really added a lot of legitimacy because although the sounds are really dinky and, and cruddy, the music that it was playing was very authentic and it kind of felt like you're listening to some sort of source music. Like he has right. some sort of like. I don't even know. Like, I guess Will maybe like more boogie. It's kind yeah, it's, of it's music. boogie
0: woogie. That's the sound of that like New Orleans early yeah. jazz piano. Yeah, it's dun- So, Will, did
1: you always imagine that this is just what is being played in the shop, or do you imagine that there's going to be someone else? that's live playing it in the shop. It definitely feels like it's happening in the
0: shop. Yeah, I think it's one of those things that you're not necessarily supposed to think about. I mean, I think the music definitely characterizes the environment, um, but whether or not it's actually, you know, meant to be source music, I mean, I think that's the great thing about what they did with iMuse is that each environment has its own custom instrumentation that feels, you know, married to it. And there's something about a shop theme, going into a shop and hearing this kind of piano that is so fitting, where when you're walking out throughout the rest of Booty Island, you hear this full, you know, Dixieland sound. We're now going to move on to a very interesting piece of music. This is Stan's
1: previously owned coffins. And so the character of Stan makes a return in this game and that's a wonderful moment. Musically, it's it's really the first time that he gets a proper theme that fits him like a glove. The thing about Stan is he's kind of this dichotomy. There's there's something that's not quite right about him, and, and this especially in the context of this game, uh, this music captures that perfectly. You have like these combination of keys where you're in a minor and a major key, uh, at least to start off. Uh, and it's very funny, um, but there's something that's kind of unnerving about this piece of music. Let's take a listen to Stan's Previously Owned Coffins, composed by Peter McConnell. You guys are listening to Stan's previously owned Coffins. One thing that is explored so much in this score, more than anything else in the series, is interweaving classic, familiar, kind of public domain folk melodies, uh, or pirate, you know, shanties and songs like that, uh, mixed with original material. Uh, And it's just so effective. I mean, this track... There's just so many things that are happening at the same time and it's absolutely hilarious and it perfectly matches
0: the character of Stan. Well, and it starts with that funeral march that I'm, I'm pretty sure is Schubert. The that's right. But then, but then the reggae comes in, <laughs> right? And then there's even a moment where it h- harkens to the "Here Comes the Bride" theme, exactly. Da, 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 da. Um, I, and I feel like it's perfectly timed, actually, to the um, when you first meet when you first meet Stan, he he talks, you know, a mile a minute and he has so many yeah. things to say. I'm pretty sure that moment is actually tied to something that he says about like right. loved ones or like, you know, someone like being married or losing a spouse or something. So I think there's right. like specific beats. That's the nice thing about Stan is he talks so much it can almost be like a cutscene. And I think here Peter That's McConnell true. almost scored this in a in a film way where the beats of it are timed what out. What a brilliant choice. I mean, cause it's kind of, it's this humble thing
1: we've heard time and time again with great video game composers where they take legitimately a great theme, a classic theme, and they're kind of throwing it away by presenting it in this,
0: ugly this intentionally ugly way right it's so dissonant and creepy and, and it perfectly yeah. sets the tone you know it's like you have these in the same way that um, you know the the theme to Laurel and Hardy that uh-huh. ba- right. very tonal diatonic theme but it's actually polytonal in how it's presented because in a different key from that you have this cuckoo do, 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 and it's really dissonant <laughs> actually when you examine it and it's it's a perfect representation of those characters and this does something similar yeah. where we have this very simple and catchy diatonic theme for stan and it sort of shows he's this you know used car salesman always trying to sell you on something but then we have yeah. that unsettling nature due to the macabre that like he's selling coffins and it's just a perfect uh, i feel like your brain emotionally understands it right away It's so great. All right, we're now going to move on to a wonderful melody. And to me,
1: this is kind of going back to the musical world of Monkey Island 1. Uh, This is Diving for the Mad Monkey which is also known as the theme of Kate Capsize. You're able to charter a boat because you want to search for the Mad Monkey, uh, which basically you need in order to get one of the map pieces. Uh, so this is kind of a classic Monkey Island swashbuckling reggae feel. Uh, this, For this uh, particular track, it's been a while, so let's go back to the Sound Blaster and take a listen to how this was presented originally. This is Diving for the Mad Monkey, which I believe was composed by Michael Land. Let's check it out. <music> You know, a testament to this Dream Team is uh, that we really don't know who composed this, and it could be <laughs> it could be any of them. Uh, they did such a great job of making this game and the score feel cohesive, but also feeling diverse. Like, you go to different parts of the island that need different styles of music, and I think they really played to their strengths, right. but they were able to collaborate in, in such a wonderful way. What a I almost wish that there could be like a documentary on the making of this game. Uh, I would love to like see footage of them in their studio working on the score. How did that, were they together in the same room ever? Did they each have their own office and MIDI controllers? Like I would just love to see their process of this because what they created was was just so classic and uh, just amazing. I wonder if any of that kind of stuff does exist somewhere. Oh man, I mean... Obviously, the original MIDI data still exists. Who knows what else they... I would also love to hear like rough demos, you know, piano recordings when they were coming up with themes. Remember that great story that Peter was saying where he had this theme that he wrote for Monkey 2 and he was really happy with it, but for whatever reason, it just didn't have a place. There just wasn't wasn't a place for the theme and he, he kept it and he was able to use it in monkey Four escape from monkey Island. Right. Um, is one of the map themes there. So, uh, really cool story there. Uh, let's move back to, I believe this is back to fat Island. Uh, fat Island is where rum Rogers is right. Well, yes, that's correct. Cool. So let's go back to fat Island, uh, potentially back to Clint Bajakian. Let's take a listen to a piece of music. Um, that is very atmospheric and vibey. And really, the the music of Fat Island is that. It's a lot more atmospheric uh, than the other islands. This is a cool theme. It's called The Waterfall. You guys are listening to the waterfall from Monkey Island 2. This was composed, pretty sure, by Clint Bajakian here, uh, and it's very reminiscent of some of the ambient music that you hear in games like Fate of Atlantis, Sam & Max: Day of the Tentacle. Just a classic LucasArts Dream Team sound. Uh, their ambient music uh, was so captivating, and, and you know they ha- have a lot of these like long-form pieces of music that it takes a, it takes a long time for them to loop and they really set the tone and to kind of get your imagination going. You know, it's important for the music of adventure games to be kind of cerebral and to help you solve these puzzles. And so something about listening to this music... I feel like it always fosters creativity and trying to problem solve and figure out what to do here.
0: It's very mysterious too. I think it definitely has that sound. Something that I love about this piece, and I think the next one does it a little bit too, where it has this swung groove, but but then occasionally yeah. it'll switch to have juxtaposing straight rhythms, but right. you know where it's kind yeah, it's, of like, and also this
1: is another kind. Combination where you hear some kind of classic folk music, pirate shanty, yeah. ornamentations mixed in with this ambient score. It's really effective. Uh, now, this is a, pu- a piece of music we're going to move to that there's been some speculation and even some speculation uh, from some of our podcast listeners that this is a Peter McConnell piece of music, especially the second theme that this transitions to here, which is the theme of, of Rum Rogers in the drinking contest, because it incorporates uh, a pretty famous pirate uh, folk song or, or or sea shanty. And Peter has been known uh, to be a really big fan of, of incorporating that. So, at any case, this could be maybe a collaboration between Peter and Clint. Uh, I really love the first theme that, unfortunately, in this special edition, you only get to hear it for a very short amount of time, uh, just a taste of it before they transition into the the Rum Rogers uh, interior theme. Uh, But I'm a really big fan of both of these. Uh, Let's take a listen to Rum Rogers Jr. You guys are listening to Rum Rogers Jr. from Monkey Island 2, which could have been a collaboration between Clint and Peter. Uh, I guess I feel like that first exterior theme reminds me more of Clint, and this really (laughs) reminds me of Peter. The way that they transition to a totally different time signature and a totally different uh, tempo is really impressive, slowly speeding up to turn into this waltz. Uh, The way that that works in game is very smooth. Uh, and this is the perfect theme to Rum Rogers, this old kind of retired pirate who basically he has one of the pieces of the map. Um, but in order to kind of get to it, you have to ca- incapacitate him. And so there's this <laughs> drinking contest and uh, it's just a really funny and memorable
0: scene. And uh, what a great piece of music this is. Yeah, Absolutely. You know, it's really hard to say. I- I, I am pretty sure, though, I mean, that Peter was right that they did split the island. So, I mean, I think if Peter did all the stuff for booty, I, I would suspect that Clint would have done all the stuff for fat. But, you know, I guess we'll we'll never know. And who knows? Maybe they don't even remember. It was so long ago. I'm, I'm sure there were times where they would collaborate or work together on something. Right. But it's it's one of those funny things. But I agree with something you said earlier, Carl, that it's a testament to the dialogues that they had that the soundtrack is so cohesive that yeah you really can't tell that it's composed by different people. I mean there's stylistic differences but those feel almost more dramatic in nature that they're intentionally scoring the different environments. Mm-hmm. When it comes to style they all do similar things to one another, and it's a very cohesive sound, but this is such a fun part of the game, and I think another example of fantastic use of the iMuse technology in terms of how the music's transitioned, you get a little bit of sense of just listening to this track, but Mm -hmm. again, I mean, I think you really have to play these games to understand fully the effect that we're talking about.
1: And the special edition is a great way to do that, it's available on Steam, and you can, anytime you want, you can revert back to the original, and it goes back to the original music, and the original uh visuals so it's really the best way to play these games okay let's go back to booty island and this is the theme that plays um, when you finally get access to governor elaine marley's mardi gras fish fry costume party and the costume that Guybrush is given is really funny uh, this is probably the peak of that mardi gras vibe here we have really kind of classic new orleans dixieland that peter mcconnell uh composed for this wonderful piece of music A lot of fun. Let's take a listen. You guys are listening to Governor Marley's Mardi Gras Fish Fry. This is the theme to her costume party, um, which is uh, an important uh, place that you have to get access to. This theme always kind of gets me prepared for the next piece of music you hear, which is a callback to the Guybrush and Elaine theme. Uh, And I just love how that continues throughout the whole series. And the way that they meet in this game and kind of the the
0: attitude that they have towards each other is just really funny. It's so soap opery, which also yeah. plays right into the hand of Michael Land's theme that kind of exploits mm-hmm. some of that.
1: Yeah, this is this is a perfect theme for this party. Uh, yeah, so what you see when you come into this party is you see I think a couple making out. You see a lot of really hilarious and over the top costumes. And it's funny, uh, for these old LucasArts adventure games, they don't really need a lot of of people in one scene to make it seem busy like I think really at this party there's only like maybe like four or five people that you see but it you know especially as a kid it seemed like oh this is a really busy party but <laughs> it's really not a
0: lot that you actually see of it. Right and the nature of adventure games is you know not everything that you see you can interact with so right. if you see a big group of people they'll, they'll all be given you know sort of one name if you mm-hmm. were to put the cursor over them but God, I miss these adventure games. And I know they've tried to revitalize so it. Nostalgic. Broken Age was fantastic, I thought, which was yep. double finds, kind of um, you know, return way back into it. To it. Uh, and I I know that some people liked Ron Gilbert's what's it called? Something Park. Thimble, Thimbleweed, Thimbleweed Park. Park. Um, but I don't know, it's just not the same. And I know beggars can't be choosers, but I do really right. just miss the the energy and the humor and everything about these old LucasArts adventure games. I I mean, at some point, there needs to be
1: another Monkey Island where all of the original crew gets back together. Um, I mean, that, that just really needs to happen. I think it would do the world a huge service because there's really nothing else like these. For me, especially the Monkey Island games, it's just something so magical. A lot of people consider Monkey Island 2 to be not only one of the best uh, LucasArts games, but really one of the best adventure games of all time. It's absolutely classic, and it is heralded as such. It's really on this pedestal, and you know, rightly so. Let's take a listen to another Sound Blaster piece of music, and this is what happens late in the game when you go back to Scab Island. One of the things that changes is when you go back to the bar, uh, the bartender has a monkey, Jojo, who is playing the piano to a metronome, kind of blinded. Kind of like almost like a robot playing this, and in order to to get JoJo, you need to put a banana on the metronome, which basically uh, kind of zonks JoJo out. Uh, So this is the theme of Jojo the Monkey, and this is the most fun thing that they do with tempo. So they purposely, uh, they have this sound of this metronome that's clicking through this whole track, and Jojo, who's playing the piano, isn't that good (laughs) of a pianist, so the tempo is, is fluctuating constantly. It's really funny. Let's take a listen to Jojo the Monkey. Wonderful, so delightful. They get the wrong, they get wrong notes sometimes, uh, and they leave them in, which is perfect. Uh, the tempo is all over the map. It's just really delightful. And again, on the Sound Blaster, this is one of the only ways you can do that. You can convey uh, a sense of imperfect performances with tempo. You're not going to get it with timbre. So it's just a brilliant choice here, and I think the sound. That they got with these settings on the Yamaha FM sound chip of the Sound Blaster—it's—it's—it's uh, it's, it's just really nice, and yeah, just one of my one of my favorite musical moments in the game. I remember
0: always laughing at this uh, yeah. as a kid. It's—it's
1: it's just yeah, delightful. It's
0: so immersive too. It, it's such this raw thing that you never encountered in another video game. I mean, I can't think of anything else like this. Yep. I mean, the closest thing would would probably be some like Naughty Dog game i mean they I know they have like a lot of meta cool stuff where you know i'm I, i'm so excited uh to uh, i'm so excited for the last of us part two i, I can i don't wait. know carl if you saw any of the um oh, yeah. gameplay yep, footage I've seen it. oh my god it looks phenomenal can't wait um but yeah, no sorry god this is so cool i, I love that michael harkens to the main theme um mm-hmm it's a cool arrangement of that. It's
1: a variation. It's beautiful and it also reminds me of the wood a lot of the woodtick music too. It's oh god so good. He really outdid himself uh, on the score. They all they all really did. Okay, let's go back to another Scab Island theme. And this is fitting, too, because this is something that you uh, get a little bit later in the game. This is called Rapscallion and His Steaming Weenies. This is a theme. Uh, it takes place in the cemetery when you enter this crypt and you have to bring uh, this guy back to life. This is a theme that plays and it reminds me of a lot of classic movie music like some of the last crusade music there's something spiritual and haunted and ethereal about this it's it's and very, tragic too yeah, this very guy has tragic. a sad
0: life he he died and then he realizes he left the gas on <laughs> he died hundreds of years ago and left the gas on and you have to go right. and fix that for him okay let's take a listen to Rapscallion in his steam and
1: weenies listening to rap scallion and his and weenies which is one of the cemetery themes on scab island so so much wonderful melodies are all tucked away in scab island in this game some of them you have to wait a little bit to hear it's really wonderful and it's these melodies are of such a high caliber this reminds me of film music you know whether it's series like indiana jones it's just right. really,
0: really well done. I can't think of another video game composer that writes melodies that are this pure, other mm-hmm. than like Koji Kondo. I mean, uh, Michael Land is, I think, just a genius. His melodies are beautiful and so direct and, and timeless, purposeful. Yeah. Gosh. And have all these
1: other levels going on. Like there's a sense of humor. He's able to make it really funny and score the emotion. But on its own, if you didn't know the context, it's just a beautiful tragic piece right. of well,
0: funeral what, music. What I love about the Monkey Island Two soundtrack is there. You get the variety. You know, with the three composers, you get all these different styles. But right. I mean, my favorite stuff is still everything that Michael Land did on Scab Island. Me too. I mean, just his melodies
2: are well, so another strong. Thing-
1: well, another thing that should be mentioned is this is, a nice, this is a nice foreshadowing to the tone that you get at the very end of the game. They go back to this tragic sound, right. um, which, which is so wonderful. So, okay, we have to unfortunately skip a lot of great score, a lot of great music that is very immersive. The soundtrack is so massive. We only have time to play two more pieces today. This is called The Screaming Chair. And this is the music that is playing while you and Wally are being tortured in LeChuck's fortress. Let's check it out. You guys listening to The Screaming Chair, and this soundtrack once more was composed by Michael Land, Clint Bajakian, and Peter McConnell, and the arrangements were worked on by Will Roget, Dan Reynolds, Jeff Ball, Andrew Versa, and I think Jesse Harlan just did one uh, arrangement. I think he just did the Captain Dread arrangement, but he was more of the, the supervisor and the director of that whole team. So Hats off to everyone yeah. involved. I
0: mean, from Everybody. the original Dream Team to the folks who helped to put this special edition soundtrack together. I mean, so much love and care went into this. It, it really is remarkable. What a score. Oh, my God. And yeah, this
1: is probably the definitive version. If I yeah. had to show someone, I think they really outdid themselves on the special edition i still absolutely adore the sound blaster that's what i want to listen to if i really want to get nostalgic and go back to my childhood um for me it's really about those two versions at this point in time the other versions the roland mp 32 and the the more midi sounding versions i don't have much of an urge to go back
0: to those i agree it's uh it's a good time to be a monkey island fan you know i mean we have all this great stuff to look back at and i mean we've already done an episode on curse of monkey island and escape from monkey island which are the third and fourth games in the series that also have wonderful soundtracks the third one is kind of like the first game you know michael Land, and then the fourth one is it reunited the dream team which is amazing Absolutely. We're going to play you guys out with
1: a piece of music called The End, which is played during the end credits, which harkens back to not only LeChuck's theme, but some other themes, kind of this haunted amusement park vibe. And one thing I wanted to mention, a really exciting thing, which for me, it feels like maybe we should do like some sort of revisited Curse of Monkey Island episode. One thing you guys might remember if you're a fan of that score is the only available versions of that music is very, very low quality compressed Versions, uh, the same quality that's in the game. And very recently, there was finally unearthed, I think it was like an ex-LucasArts employee who had the original masters, there was finally released CD-quality version of the whole soundtrack. Oh, um, dude. Which means that I would love to go back And do an an episode, maybe just this time on Curse. Yeah. Play some music we didn't get to play before. Finally, to hear this stuff, I was listening to it last night. To hear those themes for the first time in that clarity, it's incredible. We'll want to make this a three-parter. Just next Uh, week, (laughs) (laughs) next season, maybe. Let's do it next season. All right, we're gonna play you guys out with the end. And the next week's episode is actually gonna be an original showcase as we get uh, prepared for the end of this season. What a fun season it's been. Um, Definitely some podcast. highlights for sure. So stick around for original showcase. That's going to be a lot of fun. Uh we have some great music to to share with you guys and talk about. Anything else you got, Will? I have one more plug
0: that I have this week. What do you got? Uh just that underscore has been back for the last few weeks and Woo-woo. we're really excited. Uh tomorrow um we're unveiling the next film subject that we're talking about. Which mm. is a big one. So, Biggie. any fans of film music, honestly, any. F- Fans of music in general, I think you should check out underscore tomorrow on Tuesday. And hey, fun fact, remember, Will, recently I was saying that that might be my absolute favorite film
1: score of all time. That's pretty cool. Definitely. It's a hard one to beat. All right, guys. So the last thing I wanted to plug is if you're listening to this on day of release, which is I think Monday the 18th, this coming Friday, the 22nd, I have a new FM synth chiptune album that's going to be coming out. So I am very excited about that. It's called High Flyer uh and it is all fm synth which is basically um capturing this the F, the yamaha fm chip of the sega genesis so any any fans of sonic ask It's pretty much the closest thing that you'll get to a new Sonic-esque album. There are definitely tracks on here that feel very Sonic-y, go in a lot of different places. But I had an absolute blast putting this album together, working on this for for many months. uh, And so I really hope that you guys enjoy High Flyer
0: on Friday. Well, I'm excited. Yeah, lots of cool stuff in
1: the works. Cool beans. I think that just about does it. Enjoy the end from Monkey Island 2. My name is Carl
0: Brueggemann. And I'm Will Brugeman. Have a great week, everyone. Peace out.